is up, everybody, and welcome to the anime podcast of some sort. I'm David, Jack is here, and we're going to talk about some stuff. What's up, Jack? Oh, man, so many things are up. I mean, for the first point of my order, the stars are up because daylight savings has not come into effect yet. It is so dark, so cold, so teddy. Not that teddy, though. We haven't seen the sun in 66 days, Jackson. The sun is a deadly laser, David. You don't need it. Actually, I do. The doctors say I actually do. Like, I was told to get Oh, you gotta get that vitamin D. Yeah, I genuinely do. The doctors say I need it. That's 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 a shoot, brother. Uh, There's I, a joke I was a- somewhere. I, I was actually sure. told to get one of those sun lamps too, because oh. yeah, <laughs> that's how bad it is for me. You've you've really worked on your studio tan. I think we both have, and it shows because there's just so much to talk about on the anime podcast of some. There is, so let us jump in with this big news from Netflix, everybody. Uh-huh. Now, here on APOS, we're all about keeping tabs on live-action adaptations of anime properties, whether we like it or not. And this was my chance to just cackle maniacally, because... <laughs> It was reported by IGN uh, not that long ago that Netflix will be working on a live action adaptation of One Piece. Oh, yes, the mighty, long-running, pirate-themed shonen anime by Eiichiro Oda is getting its own Netflix adaptation. Uh, Jack, you're much savvier on One Piece than I. Uh, how are you feeling about this one? I wanted this content to end before I was 60. I'm going to be watching this until I die, David. <laughs> okay, to be fair... um, Based off of uh, what they've mentioned here, I found uh, Oda's English translated announcement here. There have been 10 episodes ordered for season one. Obviously, uh, Netflix is savvy enough to know to at the very least plan ahead for multiple seasons. So we'll see how that goes. I'm wondering if it's going to be kind of the root of what I believe the production of Disenchantment is kind of like where they've got such a heavy hitter behind them you know of like matt graining he's hot off of two very successful very long-running shows more bad episodes of the simpsons than good uh and you know that i would assume uh you know given the fact that there is a second season strong uh of disenchantment that you know they're gonna kind of just be quiet about that sort of thing and slowly release them but boy david uh i have many thoughts and I don't really know where to start, but what are you thinking just kind of as, I suppose, a landlubber of the One Piece franchise? What are you thinking as a, uh, for a Netflix adaptation? I find it incredibly fascinating because Netflix <laughs> always does best with shows and series that are self-contained. They, they have a beginning, middle, and an end. One Piece will go on until the end of time, long after we're all gone. And I'm really wondering what they would do with something like that, especially that, as we know, they've only greenlit a 10-episode first season. Uh, 
I'm not entirely worried about the actual production uh, of the content because one, Netflix is willing to invest, which is always good. Two, Otisan himself has said that he will be executive producer along with uh, a few other people that have worked on some other Netflix shows uh, like the Cowboy Bebop upcoming and in a few shows like uh, Stephen Maeda who worked on Lost and The X-Files. Kind of in the same vein as uh, when we were talking about the Mobile Suit Gundam live action movie, uh, the people behind that one are a pretty solid production staff. Indeed. So may- maybe as an actual production it won't be so bad. Uh, I'm curious as to how all of these will turn out. And h- how do you introduce One Piece to people? I- I've said this for years about so many long-running shonen. Jack, you've known me for a long time now. I've never told anyone to start anything with episode one. And I've always asked that question. How do you introduce somebody to a show like One Piece? And if this works out, I think this might be the answer. Because it's... I would hope. It's decently sized. It's 10 episodes. It's it's bingey. It's, it's possible to binge. And if someone really likes it, they could invest in the anime and invest in the manga. Uh, This could be a a good thing in the long run, because in the past, Jack, uh, it was a 24-episode anime that would get people invested in a manga. Nowadays, something like this, a live-action adaptation, whether it's a movie production or a TV series production, that is something that could get people invested into the anime or the manga, or in a case like One Piece, both. If this yeah, is I'd be good, very interested in tracking uh, how many people got into Pokemon Sword and Shield based off of uh, you know box office and home numbers for something like Detective Pikachu. You know what I mean? Yeah. That kind of thing is endlessly fascinating to track. If this is actually a production that is well-reviewed by the anime publications and the anime outlets, it could be a paradigm shift. And it could also be a testament to One Piece to how, by and large, it can pretty much do no wrong. So I'm, I'm especially interested in seeing if... One Piece can pull this off, or if Cowboy Bebop can pull this off, we have these large, massively popular anime adaptations for these franchises that are universally loved. I'm really interested in how they'll turn out. Me too. Uh, I would just like to quickly read the entirety of Ichiro Oda's uh, announcement here. I know I announced the production of this back in 2017, but these things take time. Preparations have been slowly progressing behind the scenes, and it seems that I can finally make the big announcement. Netflix, the world's streaming entertainment service, will be lending us their tremendous production support. This is so encouraging. How far will the story progress over the 10 episodes of season one? Who will be the cast? Please be patient a little longer and stay tuned. I have a couple of, uh, you know, thoughts, uh, some ideas, some surmising. This sort of phrasing makes me wonder if they're going to go with a more Japanese cast, but uh, also knowing that One Piece is is very massively kind of a Western concept, 
and the fact that they have this crossover with Matt Owens and Stephen Maeda, it makes you wonder. But either way, I am very interested in wondering, again, like you say, David, how do you introduce this world? And I wonder if you can either succinctly and smartly reintroduce the cast in a unique way without having to go through many, 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 many episodes per arc for each character. You know, you could kind of do almost a sort of pacing like you do for uh, between episode one and two of introducing Luffy, and then you hop right into meeting Zoro. That's Zoro, manga readers. (laughs) And uh, then I wonder, maybe it would be more interesting to maybe hop in where more people are more familiar with in this current generation, which is post-time skip. And I think that could work but i also think it could be more interesting to maybe not think about about that status quo but maybe uh before that where you have a big massive amount of the straw hats you have them working together they're maybe a little bit green still kind of getting used to this whole dynamic of the entirety of them you know big boat and then maybe at that point in time you can kind of get them to sort of have a centric episode. I don't know. There's so many different ways that you can, uh, you know, introduce this sort of thing. And I don't think there's, think there's any one correct way to do it. So I'm going to keep an open mind about this, especially since this is something that, you know, I do enjoy as well as the Cowboy Bebop series uh, on the horizon. But I'm going to say it once again, the the only thing that really does these characters justice is animation. Because Monkey D. Luffy is still basically pirate Elastigirl. You can't. I mean, he came before. Much, much, much before. So, hmm, maybe Elastigirl is just Western Luffy. Anyway, point being, there's nothing new under the sun. And I'm extremely curious from top to bottom how this will turn out, especially in live action. Because can it be effective? Especially Chopper. My God, is that just going to be a real live, live reindeer? <laughs> well, CGI has advanced quite a bit, Jack, which brings me to Oof. one quick thing that I'm going to bring up, uh, and then we'll go to the Funimation story. Uh, the Ghost in the Shell upcoming Netflix uh, series, uh, Ghost in the Shell SAC 2045, uh, has a new full trailer out, and we get to see what the show will look like. And you know what? Earlier, when we saw maybe a teaser trailer in the beginning, I said, I've seen worse as far as a CGI series goes. But as I saw this full-length trailer, the more I thought about it, I realized in very many ways, this reminded me of an anime from the early 2000s that I hold very near and dear to my heart. It, it was of the Toonami era. And I'm talking about Blue Submarine number six. Uh, the CG was a pretty much solid, but I know everyone will have issues with CG just in general, just 
for its existence. But with what they're going for, everything looked to be fairly well done. Uh, they didn't reveal too much story, didn't reveal too much plot. Uh, I'm hoping it's not a rehash. I'm hoping it's something brand new. A lot of the production staff and production team behind Standalone Complex are involved. So if it is a new story, I'm locked in and... I'm someone that if I can enjoy a production and its story and what it's trying to tell, I can usually let the visual slide to a degree. And I don't think that the CG in this trailer was offensively bad at all. I, I've said no, that it since day kind one. Of like upscale game footage for from any, it, it could look like something that would be at home in near Automata, you know, something like that. A lot of people are, a lot of diehard Ghost in the Shell fans are a little upset at the design of Major Kusanagi, but Ghost in the Shell fans are always upset about the design of Major Kusanagi. That, that Major will Kusanagi always be... stuff to design. <laughs> right. That is something that's, that will be a point of debate forever, because whether it was the original film, uh, the sequel, Innocent, Standalone Complex, the manga, uh, it's always been interpreted differently, and it's being interpreted here now uh, it's reminiscent of a rise in some ways and that the major looks younger than what she did in standalone complex so make of that what you will uh, she's she looks a little bit to me like um i don't even know this character like well enough i just know my appearance but they look a little bit like uh aqua from kingdom hearts which it's not really a compliment it's just kind of it's there which can work. I think, you know, we've had our uh, grievances or people's grievances aired out about Alita before, but you have that kind of this is a placeholder sort of graphic face work for this sort of character. But that remains to be seen. I think my issue with the design of the major this time around is that in the past, she always looked unique whether it was hair eyes wardrobe she stood out as an anime character with this she does not stand out she looks like she looks like aqua from kingdom hearts <laughs> she looks like Every, like a lot of things. Uh, she looks like every other female anime character before, aside from her hair. Uh, without the the hairstyle, she would not be recognizable as Motoko Kusanagi. I think that might be an issue. And I think that might be a point of contention. I'm hoping the plot is good. Because the two seasons of Standalone Complex are, in my personal opinion, the best television writing that has ever occurred in an anime, period. It is the gold standard. It is par excellence for a television, for an anime television series. You cannot ask for any better. I'm hoping this, I can't even expect it to match, but I would hope that it is at least decent. I don't want this to be kind of a disaster. Arise was kind of okay. Not terrible. Blaine Gabbert, not terrible. I'm hoping 2045 is okay. I'm hoping for okay. So am I. And speaking of okay, I don't know if this is okay. It could be something fantastic. 
we're just going to have to see. But Funimation dropped some pretty excellent news here, David. Do you want to get into this? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. (laughs) Funimation recently tweeted something with a very interesting image, and the internet lost its collective bleep. Uh, They said on January 30th, a mystery is about to unfold, but are you ready for the answer? Something is about to make its way to Funimation. And then they posted a silhouette image of what appears to be the famous Shonen Bat, a.k.a. Lil Slugger, from the famous Satoshi Kon anime series from 2004, Paranoia Agent. (laughs) This is a big, big deal, everybody. Can you dig it? Ah, It's a new decade for an animation. It it really, really is. And (laughs) for the youths out there that are not familiar, this series did run on G4 Tech TV back in the day, as well as on Adult Swim. And it's fantastic. It is, if you're familiar with the work of Satoshi Kon, uh, this is a beautifully animated mind fuck and it's brilliant and i i hope the world gets to see it because it was brilliant and phenomenal and good on funimation for picking up another great license and and pulling it out of mothballs and i'm i couldn't be happier that's what it looks like i couldn't be happier (sighs) i just There are so many times that, you know, I get on my soapbox on this podcast and I have to complain about the fact that absolutely no one in the West and occasionally I have to yell, you know, overseas at old Nihon and be like, yo, no one is taking care of, you know, archiving animation history and even things from less than 15 years ago can be lost and just mistreated to destruction water damage and complete decimation and this makes me so unbelievably happy david i feel a lightness in my chest am i going to die should we stop is what is this feeling Jack, this is something that's rare in our modern day uh with a lot of us it's called excitement uh, the youths sometimes call it hype, and and it's a good feeling. You can you can ride it out. You can ride it out, and and it's okay. Paranoia oh. Agent is a terrific series. Uh, if you haven't watched it, please do. And uh, here on APOS, we are always in favor of supporting the official release. So if if Funimation is rescuing this license. We fully endorse supporting the official release, supporting the great Satoshi Kon, and, and watching this anime. Please. Yes. You know, the one thing I think I'm going to be enjoying out of all this, and I never say this about merchandise, is <sighs> I really want Maromi plushies. Yeah, I can I can see that. I can definitely see I, that. I, I Oh, yeah. I, I need it desperately. Like, I, I just kind of, I pictured it for a minute, and I, I was in bliss. That's where I was. That I, is my I, happy place, David. I feel like 
Funimation knows a thing or two about printing money with merchandise. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. And I, honestly, like their merch can be, mm, it can be up there. So, I I big, wouldn't be surprised big, if that's coming. Big hopes for this. I am excited to once again uh, officially support the Adventures of Bat Boy and and please, ah, this can't come fast enough. But good things come to those who wait. Except if you're yeah. into hentai. <laughs> no. Be- because Funimation, uh, in this current season, uh, one of the shows they licensed was a show called Interspecies Reviewers. <laughs> I'll put it this way. This is not exactly high on my list. N- <laughs> not exactly a show I, I myself, uh, your boy David, would give a, a high recommendation uh, the the general plot of the show was the idea of prostitution and various girls and species figuring out sex. You know, it, it was pretty much because you smut. need a schmo to do that. You know, because that's what in the immortal words of Colin Mockery, you're watching animal porn. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. That's so what it was. Dave. Like, it's garbage. But what can you expect from Mr. Witchblade, Quasar of Stigmata, High School DXD? Come on! This character designer is everywhere where trash be. He's leaving a stink pile. Now, unfortunately, Funimation picked this show up, and they started airing it, and then... They realized, oh man, Ooh, three episodes in, sweet mother of God, what the hell is this? And they pulled it and released a statement saying that the show did not adhere to Funimation's standards. And ladies and gentlemen and everyone in between, this is strictly David Majors. The views and opinions expressed do not blah, blah, blah. But on this one, mm-hmm. like, job, seriously, Funimation. don't don't Good localize job. trash. Like this is the beginning of the end of an era. I think. I think we're finally going. Like, hey, moed blobs, edgy panty girl, panty shots. No, knock Ow. it off. Be knock gone. it off. Thoughts. This is something I can get behind. So on on this, mm-hmm. Get that out of there. I've, I've already forgotten the name of this anime, and I'm going to click out of that window and be like, you know, out of sight, out of mind. Let's not even. Let's don't and say we did, or, or let's don't and say we continue to not. <laughs> Everybody already knows how I felt about prison school, so yeah, this is mm, no different. Nope. Th- this this can just go right the hell on. If if you hey. want to watch it, go ahead and watch it somewhere else. So Funimation, you, you got two thumbs up from APOS today. So please support the official release. Indeed. That's two thumbs up from each of us because we don't need to do this podcast one-handed. No, that's disgusting. Uh, Battle disgusting. Chef Brigade, Jack. Oh, yeah. Tell us about this. So, uh, David, I'm a bit of a connoisseur of a couple things. These things you may or may not know. I am a connoisseur of handheld gaming, of which I have 
now recently procured a Switch Lite to have finally to start rounding out a Switch uh, library without having to deal with dual custody and all that kind of stuff. And moreover, I love me some uh, some D and Ds. I love me the dungeons. I love me the dragons. I love uh, stories and the act of cooking. I think that stuff can be pretty great. And when you combine it all, especially with uh, sort of an anime setting or an anime dish to it, you've already got something I want. But David, what if I already told? What if I told you that in addition to all of this fantastic art, a very cozy atmosphere, you also have this all published under Adult Swim Games, a company that. I enjoy. I, I love the fact. I love all the games that they've put out. This is a very big departure from a lot of their stuff, and it shows. Uh, I looked into it, and this was crowdfunded, so that obviously, obviously shows toward more of a scale. It's not like a phone game, like uh, my much beloved Robot Unicorn Attack. Uh, this game, David. How do I even begin to describe the gameplay? It's seamless. You're going from side-scrolling, beat-em-up, hand-drawn uh, hunting, basically, for ingredients against various uh, RPG-style monsters. Very unique designs, I will add. You know, slimes with axolotl core cores or something kind of in between a lizard and an otter. You never know what you're going to get, truthfully, here. And there's all different manner of environments. Once you've procured these uh, parts of these creatures, you make your way back into the kitchen where these ingredients are now in your pantry and you take a bit of a detour into a puzzle, sort of a match three situation, kind of uh, bejeweled clone meets everything. And on top of this, David, this is my favorite part. The core of the game is that you're trying to become a battle chef as the title suggests, right. and to do so, you have to get, go through a gauntlet getting, of I'm cooking some, competitions. I will say I'm getting some yeah. Iron Chef vibes. Yeah, you have to compete through a gauntlet of cooking competitions against several colorful characters throughout this cast. We're talking orcs, we're talking artificers, we're talking necromancers who created mm-hmm. fast food in an alternate reality. I need to cosplay Ziggy. He's a great character. And you have a panel of judges that have specific wants and needs from you with a theme ingredient. It's just straight up Iron Chef, David. I was okay. so excited to tell you about this. <laughs> the, this sounds like someone made a pitch of taking Iron Chef, mixing it with Phoenix Wright, and somehow Pretty much. we got Battle Chef Brigade. And I will admit... That concept is intriguing to me. It, the part about searching for ingredients and, and having to deal with various critters and creatures, I found that fascinating because I was trying to put it together in my head. How are you going to make a game mechanic out of shopping and cooking? And how do you turn that into a, a game mechanic that isn't kind of mundane and it sounds like that's what this is done uh with part one and then part two moving into the kitchen competition and cooking and and adding the various characters very phoenix wright style with the various opponents 
opponents you have to face. Uh, I find that very fascinating. This is this is giving me a lot of Phoenix Wright vibes. Seriously, it's, but, it's pretty wild. There's a character actually in uh, the crossover Professor Layton Phoenix Wright game that is a chef that looks straight up like the protagonist. So there you go, folks. Okay, so so there is there's a connection here. Okay, all right. It, it, feel, and, it feels pretty close. Like, <laughs> I don't even mean that in a bad way. I'm just saying everything influences everything. But that, oh, oh yeah, no, it's a it's a good. Um, I feel like there is an influence of that for sure. Of these, you know, wildly more and more ridiculous, uh, you know, opponents and the rising stakes and everything. Uh, yeah, it's it's pretty solid, and more so the. The, the shopping the or, or the uh, the foraging for the food isn't just a mechanic, but it ties in with the basic idea of monsters uh, were legendary, like long ago had been corrupted and were inedible. And thanks to the help of the battleships became palatable to uh, people's, uh, you know, kitchens and okay, such. So, so, so the, it's through the, the efforts. Of there the is the there is the RPG element. That, there you go. Is this isn't a Japanese game? Because this it, sounds Japanese. This sounds Japanesey peasy. Wow. Freaking Studios published by Adult Swim Games, crowdfunded with just absolutely fantastic hand drawn art. The animation. I can't say this enough, David. At the very least, look up some of the uh, you know frames of this uh, these characters. You can play in the deluxe edition as Mina and Thrash, her orc friend. And uh, they both have some great animated um, animations of knife throwing, axe cutting, just some really nice stuff. All the characters really well thought out, all uniquely designed. And there's all different kinds of uh, side things. This is something I really love in my games, David, is they add sort of a an extra thing you can do each day. You can pitch in at the kitchen and do some quick puzzles that are basically short order, uh, you know, meals. These are side can, quests. Uh, these are the yeah, side these quests. Are, these are side quests. Yeah. You can, you know, do more advanced puzzles that are, you know, more along the lines of who seems like a Professor Layton situation. Like, yeah, there's a lot of fun influence from a lot of Japanese, um, you know, games and some of these larger than life casts like, it, you can feel the love and the admiration from uh, this this group. And also, like I said, D&D, the, the idea of it is everywhere. People are – they're not crazy about the mechanics, obviously, obviously, but they're subtly mentioning things like, oh, you're a necromancer. That, isn't that kind of dangerous? You know, things like that. <laughs> and it's just a very good atmosphere to the whole thing. Highly what I what I like about this is that this looks like a an example. Oh, and I just pulled up a a video, and I see the Battle Chef Brigade logo. Oh my God! It's literally Kitchen Stadium. It's Iron <laughs> Chef. It's literally yeah. the Iron it Chef really Kitchen is. Stadium logo. And they have the gong, wow, the gong and everything. It's straight up Iron Chef. That that is that is terrific, and. I want this to be clear because some people may take this as a shot at certain animators we've talked about on this show. And, well, yeah, it is. 
This looks like an example of what you can do when you take your Japanese influences and turn it into something unique and interesting and good rather than <laughs> just do rather than just doing a one to one frame for frame rip of it with you can t- with little to no detail in in uh, exchange. That is not how it exchange worked. Edward Eller could be very disappointed in you. <laughs> Whereas with this game, yes, they took flashes of various things and they they stirred it up into a pot and they created a recipe called Battle Chef Brigade. And it looks pretty intriguing. It looks pretty intriguing as opposed to just doing a one to one rip of a transformation sequence. Bruh. Uh, if this sort of thing is wetting your appetite for a new game to pick up, uh, you can pick it up on Nintendo Switch, Windows, PlayStation 4, Linux, and of course, your good old-fashioned Apple. So take a look. Uh, the Deluxe Edition's on Steam for 20 bucks, and I am very much enjoying the Switch version. Uh, the, ex- the extra shoulder buttons I thought were going to be a bit of a liability, but ooh, not only are those great for Battle Chef, but I've also found that because of course I have to buy Skullgirls for every new console I have, David. Uh, it it works well for that too. You're, so you're talking to a Sonic. You're talking to a Sonic fan, Jackson. N- no judgment here. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, we've talked just briefly, like just thinking about emulation and everything. Sega figured it out. They figured out legal emulation. Just check out. I'm I'm so happy with my Sonic CD <laughs> copy. I can't tell you how happy I am with it. And it's all thanks to, you know, the fact that they just go, what if we charge cheaper than Nintendo ever has for virtual console and people can just download it on Steam or their platform of choice? Easy peasy. Rice and cheesy. Genesis does what Nintendo don't. And Nintendever? Well, Jack, since we made the pitch of this being across a Phoenix Wright and Iron Chef, uh, I guess you've got a theater pitch here in the show notes. Oh, yeah, I do. So, um, you know, we've talked a lot about these stage musicals, you know, and being the anime podcast of some sort, I couldn't not continue the tradition. So here's a pitch for you. Uh, We've got this beloved animated property that a lot of people recognize almost globally. Uh, we're going to create a standalone adventure that has various callbacks, maybe maybe a few just minor but clever references, some excellent original music, and just a unique plot that brings a new audience in, theater buffs enjoy, critical acclaim, audience appeal, the whole nine yards. Now, would you say I was talking about, yes. Sailor Moon. No. Nani? Uh, Go on. Nor, continue. Nor Ace Attorney, nor uh, the Black Butler stage musical, which I just found out in my pre-podcast research that that existed, uh, nor the Bleach musical, nor the Revolutionary Girl or Tenor Persona 3, or Lucky Star stage musical. None of those, David. I am instead telling Jack, you. Jack, we got we to gotta break it down for a second. A Bleach musical... Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. that's that sounds 
I don't know if that sounds terrifying or incredible, but but I hope it makes it to the internet because I want to I see really a Bleach so. musical. I want to see a yeah. Bleach musical. I've enjoyed my time with the Ace Attorney stage production. I've enjoyed all all of the Sailor Moon clips because those are always rampant. But please, someone give me the Bleach musical. <laughs> I want to let see us that. know <laughs> at me I at called me DJM. Uh, at me at duck behind the wheel on the Instagram. And I think that's even more rife for, uh, you know, all the kinds of jokes that you could possibly make more so than the death note musical all those times ago. But David, I'm not talking about any of these today. I think the West has finally caught on to this uh, tradition because we've got ourselves a little example of this right over here in the U S of a (laughs) David. SpongeBob SquarePants has hit Broadway. (laughs) (laughs) Go on. It did. Yeah. Uh, I did not know about this when it was more of a a big deal uh, last year. But, David, I'm just going to walk you through this a little bit. Uh, This was actually something that Steve Hillenburg was on board for uh, before his passing, which already kind of brought me to, you know, a a kinder light toward it than what I was initially thinking. Once I had done that part, that part of my research, I thought, okay, I have to at least give it a little bit of a chance. Uh, They reached out to a more independent group. It was much more of a collaborative experience going in because Steven Hillenburg had proclaimed that he wanted this Broadway production to encompass the sort of indie feel that those first three seasons that everyone hails as the only good episodes, uh, he wanted to capture that energy again. And, and David, I'm just going to say, yeah, just right out the bat, they've nailed it. But even more so than that, Dave, it's it's straight up like an anime stage production. And I'm going to break it down. I mean, Jeez, look, look at all the awards. I'm looking yeah. at its Wikipedia article. Look at all the awards it not, was nominated for and won. And, and I'm, yeah. I'm reading here. It was tied with Mean Girls, the musical, uh, for the most nominated production at the Tony Awards in 2018. And, and Nickelodeon yeah, only won. Re- the- Nickelodeon only recently in December actually aired this on TV. They actually aired and a special for it. It uh, guest starred Tom Kenny. He made a uh, guest uh, appearance as Patchy the Pirate in the second act. It was pretty great. Uh, I've taken a look at that televised production and a Broadway staging. Really just fantastic stuff. And the playbook of songs, songs and song credits of musical artists responsible for this just eclectic but excellent mix of musical numbers david it's gonna blow your head off you've got cindy lopper you've got yolanda adams you've got the flaming lips you've got jonathan colton you've got the late great david bowie you've got they might be giants who personally their song is my absolute favorite lady antebella john legend ah it's all great i can't (laughs) think of a favorite wait 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 they got (laughs) t.i They got D.I. That's Plankton's song. Plankton has a rap villain song, David. Plankton. You know you need to see this. Yes, I do. I do. I, yes. I need to hear. I need to hear Plankton and SpongeBob over a trap beat. 
I need to hear yeah. this. <laughs> yeah. It's, Expeditiously. And it's not even just for fluff. It's not even just for fluff, David. Uh, this is a self-contained story uh, that that is about environmental destruction, distrust in the government, and accepting people that don't come from the same place as you do. SpongeBob. I'm not. I'm not fronting. It's an unbelievably positive show. There was a lot that went into this. You can feel it from the ground up. Their excellent casting of newcomers like spongebob is new the um danny gonzalez not danny gonzalez uh i think it's danny slater uh uh patrick is new mr krabs is a newcomer uh so is his daughter pearl and then you've got some great folks like gavin lee coming in fresh off of being burnt from mary poppins when that was revived oh david it's a triumph of not just theater but also a, a weirdly excellent ip adaptation uh but I just want to point out what made what made me want to talk about this on APOS is something that you've probably noticed, and that that's the costume design and the level of detail that they've taken with this. Uh, I don't know if you've done the dive into uh, these anime stage productions like I have, but oh yes, it's it's top level cosplay basically. That's what it is. That's what it always has been. That's what it is in the Ace Attorney movie, too. It's triple A grade cosplay. And you get that here, too. This is literally someone's, you know, expert. Here's my SpongeBob, SpongeBob Jajinka. And then you're going to wear this, Ethan Slater. And once I looked into that, I realized it's all like that. This I'm looking at. The, yeah, we're good. Keep going. Yeah, we're good. Oh. I, I'm just looking through the images and I'm saying this is this looks spectacular. Like th- we yes. are years past Spider-Man. Turn off the dark, folks. Let me tell you. This this is quite possibly one of my favorite uh, IP based Broadway productions that I've seen. And I have seen Mean Girls. It I, you know. I don't think tying is necessarily what should have gone down here. Oh, the only thing that could make this better is if there was any point where they made an encore with Sweet Victory, which I am sad to report they do not. But tell me, if, tell me one thing, and, and I'll have another yes. thing to put in my YouTube dive for the evening. Does Squidward play his clarinet? He has a solo. Sold. Done. I, I I'm telling you right now, this. David. The the They Might Be Giants song is Squidward's solo number. In fact, right here uh, on the Wikipedia page, it's listed as I'm Not a Loser by They Might Be Giants by Squidward and Company. So there you go. I'm, I'm sold. I'm sold. I am 100% sold. Uh, and all you needed was T.I. and they might be giants <laughs> to, to, get me, to get me to watch a musical. I'm sold. Yeah, uh, it's really something else. I think there's a lot to appreciate from anybody. You know, if you've ever even watched an episode of Spongebob, this is something for you. If you're interested in seeing what I mean about it resembling, you know, something like Sailor Moon on stage, on ice, you know, oh, this is one step away from going on ice, David. <laughs> They'll announce it as soon as we air this episode. Uh, I, I'm it, I'm now <laughs> thinking about what 
mobile suit Gundam on ice would look like. <laughs> oh man. What what would you even do? I mean, I guess that's when you start investing in some of those uh gliding the the trap wheels, the wheelies. I don't know. You, you what could would use you, do? you could use the Zamboni machines as mobile suits. <laughs> Zamboni machines battling on ice as mobile suits. Well, that will be all effective until someone starts can looking we, for Francis. Can, can we speak that into existence like we've done with other things here on this podcast? I would hope. Can we please, uh, you know, take take this moving forward, uh, you know, make your Rocco's Modern Life on, on Broadway, which ugh, I would watch the hell out of. But Mobile Suit Gundam on Ice is the real thing Thing I, I want to take away from this, eh, boss? I, I need it. I Please. need it. I need on Zambonis, it. custom Zambonis. I I need more things to watch because so far in the current airing anime season, I've only got one show that I liked, and that was the Madoka Side Story. Ah, uh, so, so far in 2020, I've got one anime that I'm enjoying in the current season. I'm not one of those people, Jack, that just consumes all of the anime all of the time. I I, I have a palate, as it were, when it comes to the animus. Right now, it is not being overly satisfied. Granted, I've got other things going on in terms of entertainment media, but yeah, right now, anime is a bit sparse. So yeah, let's, I feel that. And let's throw this one out to the, the APOS listeners out there. You can at us on this one. Join the conversation, as they used to say. What do you do during a season? For Klondike Bar? Well, it's, I'd kill a man with my bare hands. <laughs> I'd put on Ah Real Monsters on stage. Oh, you didn't like Ah Real Monsters? I'd do that anyway. No, 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 I would. I'm just thinking about how to do that costume-wise. Like, I don't think anyone's going to want to see that. No, no, that would just be... <laughs> that would just be so bizarre. I was like thinking of the most grotesque thing, and I didn't want to say the thing that I truly find the most grotesque that really should go and die. And I think people who know me and know what I'm against know what I'm talking about. The most disgusting Martians? animated series ever. But ugly no, Martians? Uh, no, no. Uh... The uh, the the subject of happy happy joy joy, which ah, I think same we could guy, all just go same on guy. With, forget, <laughs> forget it, forget forget about it. It just you have a little bit of technical skill. I'm not even gonna admit it because it you know if you're gonna be that disgusting with your content, no, out of here, gone. Same as funny. We're just saying nope. Interspecies reviewers, nope. RNS butt ugly, not addy, gone. Well. Forget it. Same people, same people, same, same hat, same ugly, disgusting, shit filled hat. But yeah, Jack, when there's a season of animation or, or when there's sort of a, a lacking of content that's catching your eye. What do you do? And and we'll ask the folks out there, too, when, say, for example, since this is an anime podcast and you go through the Anna chart or you look at the seasonal shows and you're like, 
There's literally That's only it? there's literally one show that I'm watching in all of this. And even if you're one of those people that will preview them all and you'll watch a little bit of all of them and then you come back and you say there's only one show that I like and I'm going to keep up with. Jack, what do you do in those situations? Hmm. Well, uh this might surprise you, David. I actually found a 2020 anime that I am interested in. I believe it's 2020. I could be wrong. Uh, but when I don't have that, uh, I look for the old stuff. I kind of look back and see, okay, what haven't I consumed yet? Now, because I, it can be a tough habit to want to go in and enjoy something over again, which it can be an easy habit to fall into. And I've been trying to step out of that. So recently I've been thinking, okay, just check the backlog. And I think might have some listeners do that, but I am very curious. So yeah. Hey boss listeners, what do you do? But what do you do, David, when you can't find anything in the old animu well to dread? Well, I I think that because part of my hashtag brand is that I've never really settled in just one space. Uh, I'm kind of fortunate in that regard in that I'm always kind of going in four different directions. And serendipitously, the downturn in my interest in the current airing anime season... uh, pretty much happened right along the same time as the resurgence of media from the Star Trek franchise. Uh, Star Trek Picard premiered (laughs) a couple of weeks ago, and the first two episodes have been incredibly strong. And uh, also, there's... There's wrestling now again, too. There's All Elite Wrestling, which just got renewed for four more years on TNT. And... I'm fortunate in that I have, I I wear multiple hats, and I have my anime when I need it, I have my wrestling when I need it, I have my sci-fi when I need it, and I can banter about, but when there's kind of nothing else going on and there's a dearth of anime, I will try to make a concerted effort to talk to the rest of the community and find kind of that general consensus popular show that everyone's talking about and I'll give it a look. If there's one show that I see everybody talking about, I'll check that out. Uh, For example, last year, uh, two anime uh, that I would not have normally checked out myself. One, Violet Evergarden, universally acclaimed. Uh, two, Carolyn Tuesday, universally acclaimed. Uh, were they shows that I absolutely fell in love with? Not necessarily, but I watched them and I appreciated the quality for them because I always try and go out of my way to be as open-minded as I can. Granted, I'm someone that does believe that 60 to 75% of anime is kind of mm-hmm. but you can hear that it's heckin' it here. I, I can I do my best to keep an open mind and if it doesn't work out, I'm fortunate enough to be able to go in other directions but I always keep an open mind. So, 
I'm not really seeing any one particular anime in this season right now. So if there is one that is kind of getting a lot of talk, let me know. Well, David, uh, I do want to let you know that I did fortunately, like, just maybe a couple short days before uh, APOS found out about this anime, just fell in my lap. I absolutely have to check it out. I will report back on this. Uh, I'm actually going to double check the uh, release of it to see if it is a 2020 anime. But uh, I am talking about Keep Your Hands Up, Isoken. Keep your yeah, hands up, that, Isoken. That one, that one yeah. I've seen getting some mutterings here and there. Yes. That uh, was recommended to me by folks in my circle who enjoy animation and of course for someone who i'm going to go ahead and recommend on youtube cell specs that's c-e-l-l-s-p-e-x excellent uh animation critique don't always agree i think uh you know an entire i'm not even going to get into it but you know su movie that review was extremely positive and I feel that, you know, especially for someone who's invested, but you know, to each their own kind of thing. But most of the time, very much. I always, always respect what cell specs has to say. And he said, yeah, please check this out. If you are interested at all, because it's an anime about women who want to make anime. And why hasn't this been done before, David? I mean, they've been doing things like Wait, wasn't making there, manga together. Wasn't there a show manga. called Working? Wasn't that one the one? No, no. Working was about working in a uh, convenience, uh, sort of like a, a Nina market kind of thing. What, what was uh, there that was one, one about, about manga? About the manga studio. What was that one called? I don't know. Let us know. <sighs> Let us know, guys. Let us know. Yeah. I do recall that one, though, and it was a lot of fun, and I'm excited to see this but i'm surprised that it took them so long to think why don't we make an anime about making anime and what i really love <laughs> because, about this is because it's probably not that interesting uh, i mean it let's get underpaid folks i mean i feel pretty bad especially since they are three women like ooh, i'm crossing uh, my fingers for you please oh that's a triple whammy owie <laughs> The Japanese animation industry needs to be treated with better equity. They, they, they that's the tea. They need to get their shit together. Got it. Expeditiously. But what I love about what I've seen so far of clips and the preview of this anime is that they are doing what the folks, the film students and all of these, you know, hoity-toity folks, David might appreciate this even, these uh, folks in the industry will call it non-diegetic visual representation, which means, hey, you don't always have to show what's literally going on on the screen, Avengers Endgame. Sometimes you can have, I don't know, a dream sequence like Rocket Man, where you're just kind of experiencing a moment and it doesn't have to be right literally where you physically are standing in this moment because real life sucks sometimes. And that's kind of the reason why animation can be so incredible. I'm always going to be passionate about that. And the fact that they're going, hey, anime's all about the setting. Let's throw in a bunch of settings. Just blam. Blammo. Up the scale. Show more than just talking heads about something that's this meta. Love it. Absolutely love it. I have very... Oof. I'm trying to be reserved about it, but the premise and what I've seen so far, I'm I'm feeling good, David. I'm feeling good about it. 
that's important. That's important. Feeling good uh, about a new anime is important. And, and I want that too for more than just the Madoka side story. So if you've got an anime you're feeling good about, let us know. You can check out Jack on Instagram at Duck Behind the Wheel. You can check me out on Twitter at CallMeDJM. You can check out the anime podcast of some sort wherever you get your podcast. Thank you all so much for listening. Jack, I wouldn't dare forget this. Everyone out there, make sure you support Jack's art. He's a great artist. I love Jack's work. Well, thank you. That's patreon.com slash Jack McAllister art. Everybody check that out. Thank Very you much all for appreciate listening. it. You can get that on my link tree as well in my Insta. That's all that kind of stuff. Link to my coffee, link to my Patreon, and I also have commission info just smack dab on there. So take a look, see. Yeah. Thank you, David. Do that. Absolutely. And thank you all for listening to this episode of the anime podcast of some sort. Give us the old positive review. We'd really what appreciate it. Spread the word. Let us know what you're watching. Give give me something else to watch in between Star Trek Picard. And, and, and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening. Stay shiny.